Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Grid Podcast with me, Hussein Talib. This is episode number 46, Magnify Adventure in Your Life with Katie Chunakas. This is a super episode. Enjoy it. Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life. With your host, Hussein Talib. Welcome to a new episode of the Success Great Podcast. Today I have a special, very special, special person with me today, Katie Chunakas. She is an actress, voiceover artist, published author of her new poetry book called A Lover's Fairy Tale, and the host of the She's All Over the Place podcast. Katie, welcome to the grid. Thank you, Hussein. Thank you so much for having me. How awesome. Are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. Awesome. Excited to be here. Connected Thank you. internationally. Awesome. How cool. <laughs> good. So, so are, you, are you all over the place now? Certainly am. It's so <laughs> wild. Um, this is the longest I've been in one place in over two decades. And although I've been in one place, I've been able to be all over the place internally and spiritually and, and with my mind setting up all my different interests in business and really nurturing them. So it's been a really exciting time. Awesome, awesome. So let me ask you, uh, who or what inspires Katie to do what she does? Especially you're doing a lot of things and the, the latest being the podcast, I think, and the book, the poetry book. Mm-hmm. Who, who inspires you or, or what inspires you to do that? What really inspires me is color. I What inspires me is energy and the unknown. I get so excited because... Um, like one of my brands is called the sophisticated psychos and sophisticated um, psychos means um, wisdom minds. And so it's that fine line that we walk on that balance beam of the unknown, which mm-hmm. could be very scary, but also very exciting. So that's what keeps me going because no matter how much we think we know, and if we know everything, then we stop growing. So to know that when we fill up and we know everything, it's time to pivot and shift into something new and create from a new fresh canvas. So that's very exciting for me. Um, Yeah, so that's what kind of inspires me. Energy, people, art, nature. You're actually right. To be on the edge of your comfort zone, that pushes people to grow and keep going. Because if you stay in your, let's say, bubble or circle, you will do the same thing that you always do. Yeah, and that was so boring, especially growing <laughs> up. Like everyone was in their 90210 world. Same 10 girlfriends, same 15 guy friends, same <laughs> friends doing the same things. It was like so boring. It's like I like to have different groups and different opportunities and all all the time. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your career in acting. Uh, how did that start and where are you now with it? Sure, sure. Um. So um, my very first uh, major role was uh, CSI New York with Gary Sinise. And he's Mm -hmm. amazing. He was so uh, awesome to work with. And um, and I went on to working on Cold Case and uh, Law and Order SVU. And It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I was on the first season. And they say like, it's it's always sunny. They say it's like the 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 new Seinfeld, and so it was comedy and drama. So I've done TV and I've done film, 
And um, so along the way, um, I got I landed into voiceovers too. When I got a management team and I was in Hollywood and I got an agency, they're like, oh, like the commercial division is with the voiceover division. And without a reel, without anything, they just put me in and started doing voiceovers. So I was doing voiceovers for a bunch of different companies. And it was so fun and so creative. And the, the secret, the, the most fun about voiceovers is the bigger, the better. Because if you're big and wild and crazy and you're doing all these wacky things, the director knows they can always bring you down. But if you start off really small and you're going like this and you're playing, it's kind of like in life. If you're playing very small in life, like a director, if you're going very small, they don't know that they can bring you brighter and bigger so yeah. it's better just to really go for it i found in life like one of my um metaphors since i was a kid was um um just do it nike to win nikki it's a greek word victorious people you know just do it so it's like all or nothing i've always had that bold kind of personality it's like strike when the iron's hot and if you're gonna do it do it right if you're gonna go go all the way you know or like don't do it at all <laughs> yeah Man. so so um, along my acting journey, you know, TV, film, working with De Niro Pacino, uh, Nicolas Cage, um, you know, Mila Jovovich, the, some of the gr um, greatest film directors in the world, Werner Herzog, he directed me in the Bad Lieutenant Port of Call in New Orleans. Um, and I worked with uh, David Tui, who directed G.I. Jane. She, he directed Demi Moore in G.I. Jane, and he did The Fugitive. Um you know, I had the grand opportunity to work in comedy and drama and TV and film and indie films and big budget films. And and I was so young and I was so grateful. And I'm like, oh, I've made it because success is measured. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, success leaves the clues. So. Yeah. And it's like we can't I mean, we can compare, but comparing other someone else's success to your own success, I feel is a death threat. Like, like, and I've done it. I've compared myself. I've judged myself, you know, and it, it makes me feel very unhappy. It's not very fulfilling at all, but it's a part of life and it's a part of the journey to explore those things. And, but I also know because I, most people I feel start out by comparing, playing small and judging. I started out with a big bang of like this confidence and knowing and this like grace from the universe. So I started on the other side of the spectrum of like life is grand and, and fabulous. And then I did all these things. And then I had the other side of the pole of like um, the dark days or feeling down and depressed or judging, but through my career as well. I mean, my first um, pilot season, I tested for three pilots and I was up for um uh doing it uh doing it with um with uh kelly osborne um this wonderful casting director had me up for uh the project and um i was like signing my life away for seven years for a contract getting like you know x amount of you know fifty five thousand dollars for the pilot you know x amount per episode and like signing my my life away and then it goes to someone else you know who was like a bigger star in Canada and so I went into a deep hole for mm. like three days I was in my room because I was like I just came to Hollywood and I had all these amazing credits and I like like targeted and I did su such an awesome job to be like on a TV series and really like make it happen but then when I didn't land the role what happened was I went into my room, I remember, and I was just sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. And this was in 2005. And I was just reflecting, reflecting, reflecting. 
and I was on the edge of what you're talking about. And I was so on the edge of what, of what you're talking about that I felt that I never want to feel this or feel this lonely or feel this dark and gloomy over any role that I didn't get or give, give or someone or something so much power over my beautiful life when I'm just, I haven't even blossomed yet. So I told myself no matter what, nothing would be so important for me to be that upset because I was on that edge of where it could have gone to like a really horrible place if I would have went off that edge, but I didn't. I talked to myself like out of that area and nurtured myself to a place. And then I went on my journey and that was earlier on in my career, you know, when something was something so major was happening within my life, you know? Mm, yeah. So uh, talk to me through your mental health in that phase. Sometimes when you like, you got the role or you didn't get the role. How exactly did you deal with that? Especially sometimes we know that sometimes could be a great break for certain movies, maybe, or certain roles. So how did you deal with that mentally exactly? Well, a couple of things, but um, ultimately, um, I went on and had a very great, successful career. And I can talk about that through my short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. So, um, you know, my psychological mindset for mind growth is being a cross-country runner. So what I do as an individual affects the whole. And so what I, I had these interpersonal challenges. And since I went to, had such grand success, but could have gone off the deep end with something so early on in my career. And I told myself and had a, like a coaching session with myself and coach myself that nothing was that important to go to that area. So I was able to, from 2005, then continue on in my career and be up for so many roles, read thousands of scripts. And like one time I was up for, um, Jamie Kennedy's pilot living with Fran with Fran Drescher and it was between me and the girl who got it and the girl who got it was the writer's daughter and like another time I was up for this film and it was like Tom Hanks's son's girlfriend it was me um at the time I don't know if he's still with her if they're married or whatever but at the time it was Tom Hanks's son girlfriend between me and her and she got the role so it's like <laughs> sometimes it's politics sometimes it's who like who's the daughter of who or who's the son of who and so that's just the that's just the luck of the draw but me I always knew I can go for my um my talent and my skill set and my face in the universe you know yeah. so I I was always strong and confident within my skill set but hey I went out for cold case um eight times on my eighth time I booked a guest lead on Cold Case and Barbara Forentino, who's the head um, of casting at Hulu now, and um, Rebecca Mangieri, they were partners then. And they tested me on Point Pleasant. I tested for that TV show and they loved me so much. They brought me straight to producers because you go to the casting mm -hmm. directors and after you first you have to have a team. And once you have a team, then they have to submit you and pitch you to get into the casting directors. Then, I mean, that's that's like 50% of the battle right there. Mm -hmm. Once you get in front of the casting directors, th then you have to like not blow it with them. And, and it's like a, you prepare for like, 12 hours, 24 hours a week, and you prepare and you have five minutes in front of these casting directors, and then you you do great work. It's all about doing great work, you know? Mm. And so once you do great work and you show up and they see that you're loyal and your commitment and that you're talented, they they want you to be their solution. They want you to be the ones to solve their quote unquote problem to bring you to the producer and the directors and the executives so they can hire you because then their job's done and they can cast everything else. Yeah. However, 
they have to trust and because their life and their job is on the line if they bring you to their you know to their colleagues and you're not the one i have to i get to make them look good right and so so it's a trusted kinship in a relationship and a development skill set that I think that cross country taught me by like nurturing and planting seeds and nurturing it and having the short term, medium and long term goals for the mindset that it's not just a one off. You're meeting these people and these are the people. Look, in 2005, you know, she tested me on Point Pleasant. Now she's the head of casting at Hulu, you know, and so to focus in on Cold Case, they brought me straight to producers and they kept bringing me to producers and the producers, they liked me. They wanted to cast me, but they awesome. say, in, yeah, they say, in, they say totally awesome. They say in Hollywood, cold case was one of the toughest shows to cast because they do the cold case files from present day and they take it back to like 1950s. And then the, the mothers, you know, the families members, they have mm. to like match with the look. So they have, they have to have the talent, but then you also have to like match aesthetically. So, um, on the eighth time, I finally booked it, which was awesome and it, mm-hmm. a great honor. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, a little question comparison: which is which do you like more? I like acting or like doing voiceovers? Which one is your better side, or do you like them both? Well, this is the thing: um, to be a great voiceover actor, you have to be a great actor. People think, oh, that can just do voiceovers. No. <laughs> You can't just do voiceovers like you it's it's about the craft right of acting yeah, so uh, so the people who um and voiceovers very lucrative i hear like voiceover actors get more money than on-screen actors and voiceovers it's so cool because like this is my booth and i have a home studio and i have voiceovers every day and instead of going to the office or going in somewhere driving somewhere spending my time my energy my gas seeing other actors i have social anxiety needing to deal with like you know, getting the material when I get there, I get all on my iPad, I can prepare, I can be, uh, I'm hydrated, I went to the bathroom, I can prepare my mindset. So I'm like centered spiritually with my breath. And then I can just record on my mic, the voiceovers. And the cool thing with the voiceovers now different from 2005 and 2010. Now, I can be in Bali, I can be in Jordan, I can be anywhere in the world. And I can do voiceovers because I can have a home studio setup. And you can record with the clients. And also, I can be a lead on a TV show working 12 to 16 hours a day and in my honey wagon trailer with the home, with the booth set up, a voiceover booth. And I could record a TV series that could take one hour, that could take three hours. And with voiceovers, you can record, you know, two to three to five episodes in one session for a whole series because it, you get through the script. But if it's a commercial, like I, I booked something with 7-Eleven and I'm the voice of 7-Eleven for the next year, I was literally like 30 minutes and I'm the voice of 7-Eleven for the next year. And it's like it was a 30 minute session. So the cool thing is like, you know, when you as you grow older and wiser and and there's time management and stuff and God willing, I'll be having children and stuff, voiceovers, um, way less time a lot more money and it's your voice, but you're able to like raise a family and be anywhere in the world. Mm. So, and it, and it's so much fun. So I love voiceovers, but I mean, obviously I love being on screen as well. Um, I just like to, when I'm on screen, um, there's a lot of downtime. So I'm reading, I'm making music, I'm writing poetry. 
um, I'm just always doing something creative. <laughs> cool, awesome. Uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about your uh, book. Is it a poetry book, The Lover's Fairy Tale? Yeah, it's it's right here for the, whoever's watching. Um, it's called A Lover's Fairy Tale. And um, I had the grand opportunity to uh, travel the world. And um, I was uh working with many photographers and one is named Robert Sturman he's a legendary photographer amazing and he um created pieces that look like a painting so there's 14 pieces in the book and it was taken with the original polaroid that polaroid discontinued in 2001 so he bought as many polaroid packages as he could and put them in the freezer so they would preserve, right? No, really? and, yeah. So th this this artwork that are their photographs that look like paintings, they're super rare. And we did a whole series together. And and I selected these photos in particular because it's the time when I was traveling around the world. Um, and I I went around the world and I wrote these pieces and I selected eleven pieces from when I was in. Greece and Dominican Republic and Bermuda and Monaco. And I write about love and it's all like a lover's fairy tale. It's all about love. Um, it's not just love about um, a partnership in relation to a boy and a girl or your partner, you know. Um, it's about the love of nature, the love of waterfalls and culture and humanity and language and diversity so it's 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 the love of of the gift of being on the planet right mm. on a on a soul level like what you he's saying get to see every day like that we take for granted hearing birds yeah, away. yeah so, actually we definitely sure take these things for yeah. granted. yeah yeah so but we should a, put, put, but we should focus sometimes on them oh big time and when we're focusing on the moment that's when we're consciously like in in the present of the now, which is all we really have to be present to unhook from our thoughts, which is the moment we can create a new thought and a new choice. So by love and fantasy and by writing, that's what I write um, in this book, A Lover's Fairy Tale. And um, I'm really excited that I wrote these pieces and they're, untainted it was i was celibate for seven years and i traveled the world and i wanted to see the world and experience what was given to us before committing myself and getting into a relationship and being tied down with a partner saying oh you can't do this you can't do that <laughs> or you know i saw a lot of relationships <laughs> are you sure you were gonna be with someone who would say something like that <laughs> well i've seen a lot of people girls and people complain, oh, my boyfriend won't let me do this. I can't do that. Or I can't go this place without my boyfriend. Or, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be that. I want to see what, what I want to fill up my cup and see and fulfill my soul's purpose so I can be so full. So I have, so I have that greater meaning because I hear when you have children, it's not about you anymore. It's about, it's 1000% about them. Yeah, so kind of maybe, yeah, you are, especially when they are small, they are, you are kind of have to take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so before, like when I was 17 years old, I I went to Chicago all by myself and on the way back 
God bless these ladies. Um, they were elderly, 70s, 80s years old. And there was three of them. And they're, they're saying, do it all now. Do it, Go travel, see the world, do it all before things happen, before you get tied down. Because that's what happens. People, they get stuck in a 40-hour job week or they're, they're working and they're unhappy or they're, they're tied down to these choices. And, and then they wake up and they're like, how did I get here? And so... <laughs> Um, I really took their advice. I felt like they were God's angels. And I took their advice um, at a very young age to dear to my heart and my soul. And I wanted to experience life fully um, untainted, um, you know, without any other one, any, any, any other thoughts or judgments from another person. Because everyone's going to say what they want to say. And yeah. they can say it all day. No problem. But at yeah. the end of the day, we get to make the choice that's best for us. And although... Yeah especially people who don't know us may say something and the people who are close to us want the best for us. But sometimes they're saying things from a place where they don't know what's even best for themselves. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes people make judgment calls that are not in the correct place, I guess. Yeah. So, so how, speaking of this, how did you remove the fear and doubt in your and and yourself to do whatever you that you wanted to do whether it's your career whether it's your own life whether the people who are just were around you something like that how did you deal with that well um it, it's been more difficult actually the last um maybe eight years for me when i was a youngster not so much like i said i was so connected to that inner source and knowing and um i just did it like i just i just took bold action on it but then when I went around the world and I made a conscious choice for it to be a labyrinth and I, 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 I did it, I knew and I did everything I knew. And after I did everything I already knew, I, I went out to the world by choice and I was a seeker and I asked everyone else and I said, jump, how high, run, how far, left, for how long? And I, I, I listened to people who were successful quote unquote, who were wealthy, who went to Harvard, who were educated, who were very educated and or who had something maybe that I wanted. I people I looked up to and admired and I researched and I would go out and I would find mentors that I could confide in. And then I grew out of mentors ever since I was younger. I had mentors and I moved to California. They were still my mentors and I had to get new mentors. And then I grew out of those mentors. And and then after 10 years of being so outside of myself and asking everyone else, I became a people pleaser. I became a people pleaser and I stopped doing what I wanted to do just because I wanted to make others happy because I, I became so insecure and I'm like, how did I get so insecure? And I completely like lost myself, but I feel like that was my soul's journey to kind of know yourself then lose yourself and find yourself again yeah. but in the process of losing myself and then the journey back home to myself the last eight years um was very difficult was very 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 difficult and and i've had grand success in my career and being consistent maybe i could have been further along um making different choices. Maybe I did some self-sabotaging. Maybe I needed to do some growing and experience certain things. 
And I don't know why, but maybe, maybe because it was going to make me a better actor because I was very frustrated. It's like, it's like, um, brakes on a car Yeah. when like you need to change them after a while, you need to change the pads and the rotors. So I was in all the classes, New York, LA, like I studied with the best comedy, drama, TV, film. I've worked with the best, like, you know, I, I, I felt like I did it all. And it's like, then I was like losing out to these people, a couple that I mentioned, a lot more that I haven't mentioned. And then you you become like run down inside. And so I just had to take a break because like I wasn't booking the roles I wanted to book. And and the roles, a lot of times, like my age, like since I'm grateful for my youth and preserving and taking care of myself. But a lot of times they're like, she's a great actor, but she looks too young. Or she's a great actor, but this series is going to go. We don't know if she's going to age well. So a lot of times I would like lose out to the parts because like I looked too young and it was really frustrating. Um, I mean, I was on, I, was, I think I was on CSI New York. Um, you know, I remember when I was on like Law and Order, I was, you know, a certain age playing. I was always, I've always been playing like 10 years younger than my real age, um, which is a gift in in itself. But anyway, so long story short, um, I just felt like, you know, taking a break and an actor's journey, it is a journey. And so I feel like the journey I went on, I felt like the thing is, I feel like it's only made me a better actor. Mm. I was celibate, I mentioned. I didn't have that interpersonal relationship because I was so closed off from letting anyone in because of intimacy into me see i was terrified and petrified of any of being vulnerable and people actually seeing who i was and vulnerability is so important especially when you're on the screen especially when we're connecting here for me to listen and to understand and to have empathy to where you're coming from and to connect so the thing about acting is you're talking on one side and the other side is listening and so a mm. lot of times when you're on screen acting um People are talk, 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 talk. But then when their lines are done, they're like a deer in headlights because they're frozen and they're thinking about their next lines because they're not in the moment. And they're mm. thinking about what's next instead of like listening. So I, I took a DJ music course and I love DJing. I grew up in the Detroit electronic music scene. I produce music. I have a band, The Sophisticated Psychos. So cool. I took it. I love being, yeah, I love being committed. So so in, in 2016, I took a DJ music course for one year and every six weeks we had um, semesters. And what I would do instead of memorizing like hundreds of pages and racking my brain to, to memorize all these words, which was a skill set in its own, but I wanted to take a break. I needed new pads. I wanted to take a break on my mind, but I wanted to feel the vibe and be more in my body and less in my head. So I went and took a DJ music course to listen, to to do the other side of the craft, to be a better listener through Good. sound. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a very creative mindset, I would say. <laughs> yeah. No, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, really, music is something that there is a lot of creativity to it, especially if you do it your own. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, 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 do you have anything? Uh, that speaking of the sophisticated cycles, what did you do in that regards to music exactly? 
Yeah. Well, recently I just uh, released um, two uh, solo EPs during the pandemic. I just released uh, Full House and I grew up on house music. I love house music and I'm friends with DJ Bad Boy Bill. He's a legendary DJ from Chicago. He's the best house DJ in the world. And he was an anchor and someone I admired throughout my life and journey. And I've been friends with him for, you know, like a while now, but I, but um, my music partner, Nikki Scorpio, he just, he just released his um, song called irregular. It's so amazing. If you type in Nikki Scorpio, it's about, it's called irregular, how we're all irregular. Right. Uh, And to celebrate our um, differences, um, diversity. So he turned me on to subtle energy to the scientist named Eric Thompson and he has the sophagio um, healing frequencies. And he sent me over a list of healing frequencies. And for this particular EP, I selected 396 healing frequencies. 396 healing frequencies removes guilt and fear. And I felt my soul and my vessel in my creative vessel of my artist journey, I needed to remove a lot of uh, guilt and a lot of fear from what I was just talking about of people pleasing of listening to so many other people and then taking on so much shame and so much guilt um, that I was just like storing up on an energetic level in, in like my aura and like all of my chakras are my meridian points. We have 12 main chakras, mm. seven main chakras in the body. And I needed to remove guilt and fear. So whoever listens to it, whoever finds it now, tomorrow, 10 years from now, whenever it'll align and call and attune to them and they'll listen to it while cleaning, while working out, dancing, whatever. But it's actually aligned and encoded with healing frequencies. So nice. um, it's kind of like my divine purpose of a gift, not only to myself, but caring and sharing with others in the world. Yeah, cool. Speaking of sharing with the world, uh, how do you see yourself as a role model for future generation? Wow. That's a great, beautiful question. Well, you know, Hussein, when I was 12, I remember sitting on the ground, writing in my journal all the time, yearning, yearning and wishing I had someone in my ear telling me things I needed to know, you know, things I needed to know. And I'm like, I'm going to remember, I'm not going to forget because what happens is when you're a kid, people, for some reason, they like lose their fire, their inner spirit, their child, like n- nature, and they become just adults, right? And they like, <laughs> you know, they just, whatever, you know, they say, and I remember hearing it and I remember like, I'm not going to be like that. And I remember my grandparents and hearing what my grandparents said and what my parents said. And I'm like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to hold on to this. So I wrote things down so I would remember. And it's why I started my podcast, She's All Over the Place podcast, because with my over two decades of experience in entertainment, in life, as a human being, with ethics, morals, values, being a female entrepreneur, being a, a, a woman and going out into the world in a quote-unquote man's world, having to put up my armor. Um, I'm Greek, I'm cultured, ha- having to like have my great roots, but put up this put up this shield to protect myself. And then and then like 
only within these few years, I took my shield down and I'm like, ah, I actually, even though I, I can take it, doesn't mean I have to take it. You know, I don't, even though I can be tough, doesn't mean I have to act tough, but I felt like I had to, to mm. prove to others and prove to myself. And so um, I started the podcast. So, and a lot of kids, a lot of artists and entrepreneurs and people in entertainment, but a lot of teenagers tune into my show because I like to add value and I like to be the voice for them to reach out to me anywhere in the world, anything they're interested in. I've been so interested in everything that if I don't know it particular, I know someone who does in that 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the world that I can connect <laughs> you to them. Yeah. And that's who I am. And that's who I strive to be. And on this planet, a ripple effect. And they call me um, KC, Katie Chinagas, Katie the Connector. So that's why I started the podcast. So for future generations, I want them to hear my voice, but not only hear my voice, how I speak, what I say, the sound and the vibrations, like you were saying with the music earlier, right? Mm. Music is so therapeutic. It's so healing. Music is one song. It means universe. It connects us all. We're all mm. speaking different languages. I hear sounds, how you're saying it, the tone of how you're saying it, how you're sharing the stuff I'm saying to the listener right now with you, to the viewer, and they're listening and it's transmuting and they're receiving it into their spirit, into their hippocampus, into their prefrontal cortex. They're digesting it into their soul. And this is what moves us, art, poetry, language, right? So this is how we break generational trauma. This is how we scale. This is how we grow. This is how we share and connect on a successful level and being mm. acutely aware to what information we take in because we don't have to agree with everything we're seeing on the news and we don't have to agree with what people in our circumstances, our bodies know. Our lizard brain, our first brain down here, our lizard brain, it takes a hit and it knows. It takes a hit and it knows like yes or it knows no. Like we have 40,000 neurons in our heart alone. Our heart is so much grander than you know, or 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. So we know. But then what happens is we have all these shields, you know, all these gateways and shields to protect ourselves from ourselves and circumstances telling us. So it's up to us to break out of those things and to make our own choice from a white, clean canvas, not based on what other people tell us, but based on what we know inside. Mm, cool. So can you give us uh, uh, just one takeaway from this episode that you would give to anyone? Oh, yeah. Kind, um, I guess the our soul's journey, our artist's journey, our, our human journey, um, our intuitiveness, that hit that we take to listen to the little voice, to quiet the mind, to get out of our circumstances, put our feet on the grass, into the sand, get away from the noise, the sounds, just to get to a very, very quiet place. And when you think you've sat enough, sit more and sit with self and at least do a timer, at least for 20 minutes a day, just sit there and select a word. Just say, what's my word? Prosperity, 
calmness, positivity, joy, whatever you need your world world to be, whatever you want more of, whatever you want to magnify, openness, whatever. And just kind of set the timer and just sit. And every time your mind wanders, just come back to just sitting, not focusing on the breath, not focusing on anything, just sitting and just sitting there and just sitting some more, Mm -hmm. I think is probably the best takeaway I can give for your brain health, for my health, for the listener and the viewer's health. Um, Because taking that load off is going to take the stress off. It's going to make us think clearer and make better choices. Awesome. So where can people get in touch with you, Katie? Is it Uh, (laughs) chunakas.com? Yeah, totally. They're on all social media platforms. A lover's fairy tale. Probably if you just um, type in your email, I'm sending um, a beautiful complimentary gift of a playlist of all these spoken word music videos that I self-produced from my poetry book, A Lover's Fairy Tale. So they're spoken word music videos. And then um, you'll automatically be connected with me um, because I send out uh, emails like once every two weeks with art projects I'm working on, people I'm honoring, interested um, people that I've connected with, because I like to share other people's stories as well. Awesome. Thank you, Katie, for being with me today on the Success Grid podcast. Many, many blessings. Thank you, Hussein. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.